Welcome to the Untaming Femininity Podcast. I'm Igena Gerasi. And I'm Sam Allen. And we believe that untamed women are real and powerful. Our podcast is all about inspiring curious women like you to speak and live your truth and to express your femininity on your own terms. Tune in for your weekly dose of depth, lightness and heartfelt shares. So today in our show, we have Phoenix Gould as our guest. And Phoenix is a professional coach from Canada. And Phoenix creates learning from everything. Using radical self-love, she has no fear of the darkness, most challenging places she may need to explore to feel her way forward. And today, we're going to speak about radical self-love and the connection with sensuality. And I'm super, super excited. And welcome, Phoenix. Thank you so much for having me. We're absolutely delighted to have you here today. And I'm already getting super curious around radical self-love. Like, just for the purpose of our listeners, what does it actually mean, Phoenix? Right, that's a really good question. Radical self-love is a commitment to unconditionally love all the parts that we have, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And what it does for me is it, it cuts out all the fighting that we usually have because we have little bits and pieces inside of ourselves that we usually don't like. Certain thoughts or feelings of jealousy or, or anger or, or resentment. And with radical self-love, none of those need to be fought anymore because they will also be welcomed back. I, I say always it's like a welcoming our pieces back home because as human beings, we have all of them. We might not want to know that they're there. We don't, might not want to show that they're there, but really they exist. Each of us has fear, despair, and, and shame. And with radical self-love, we turn our attention to each of these pieces and give them unconditional love, which means that they don't have to change. It's okay to feel jealousy it's okay to feel fear it's okay to feel anger and through that then we get to be a choice I so love that and just the labels that you're taking away from the emotional experience in your definition of it it's like everything gets included and it's not one emotion's bad the other emotion's good it's like we're such a range of experiences and we get to be them all without judgment Yes, exactly. Even, even the not knowing or even the confusion, I think it's been very powerful for me. Yes. I'm also curious, like, what's your journey with radical self-love? Oh, this is where it becomes really interesting and where we can dive into the topic of female sensuality. <laughs> because for me, it showed up um, at the beginning of 2020, when the news of COVID were out. And I had just finished training and I was ready to charge into the world and to teach workshops and to share my passion and everything stopped. And there was a, a really big fear around, what does that mean? Like, I don't get to do what I wanna do. And what does that really mean? Like, are we all gonna be locked up forever? Are we in danger? Is one of my family, one of my closest going to die? And so, I stopped everything. I was just at home 
homeschooling my children anyhow. So I didn't have a place to go and I was coaching, which I could do from home. But for many hours a day, I would just wander outside. I would be walking through the woods. I live in the middle of nowhere. So there is just woods around me and rivers and ponds. And it was cold. It was really cold, minus 20, but I'd bundle up because I felt the really strong urge to be on my own and to just, to just listen. And so I wandered through the woods and I have a really strong connection with, with nature. So I will often sit with a tree and ask it for wisdom. I will often sit by the river and ask it what it can tell me or teach me. And so I sat with a tree and I was devastated asking for directions and, and I told the tree you know you, you've seen me walk along this road many times you know me what is it I need to do like what, what do I need to do right now and I saw a vision I saw the tree showing me that I was walking down the road and I was followed by all these shadows little bits and pieces of me and I understood that instead of walking away I should stop and turn around and face them and have them become part of me again wow. that's how radical self-love started so I went onto the road I literally stopped I turned around and I said okay all the bits and pieces come back right now and it was a very intense experience of it felt like what some people describe when they die when all of a sudden every your whole life flashes by you and I felt like all these bits and pieces coming through and I had memories that I'd forgotten for a long time and they just rushed through me and I welcomed them all back that was the start and then it developed more into a practice later on but that's how it started wow that is an incredible thing to speak to an incredible moment and what I see is just that point in that story when you actually listened and left that space to hear what the universe was teaching you through nature. And I think that's such a pivotal moment, actually, when we stop long enough to actually hear it, because these messages are coming all the time. What helps you with that, Phoenix? I think throughout my life, I have always felt that. I was always curious about it. And I've always received guidance that way. It was always very clear for me when I was living in Germany, I was wanting to be a dancer. And it was very clear to me that for whatever reason, I had to go to New York City. <laughs> and I couldn't explain why, but I felt the pull. I knew I needed to go. So part of that, I think, for me was that as a dancer, I've always lived in my body. I've always sensed and experienced. That's, that's how I perceive the world, is through thinking and the feeling at the same time, because that's what I was trained to do, right? When we are dancing and we're expressing what we're feeling, you've got to really know what you're feeling <laughs> and, and you're expressing it through your body. So I think as a dancer, maybe the combination of the curiosity about what else is out there and, and the connection with my body allowed me to feel and pick up on those things. And what helps me now is just to decide that that's always where I get my best direction from. I know that when I'm going into sensing, into experiencing, that's when my life aligns. Because my mind might want to go one way, but it's not necessarily where I need to go. My mind only knows 5% of what's going on, whereas my body knows, you know, the, the other 95%. 
So it's just a decision of letting go of thinking and going into sensing mode and being willing not to know. What I sense as well, it's this deep connection and also deep trusting and surrendering into universal knowledge that would come through your body and your senses, it seems. I think what really resonates with me that you said is, is the surrender. It takes a crazy amount of surrender. And what I'm saying always is that anything worthwhile takes a great deal of surrender. Absolutely. It really does. Yes. Because isn't that how our body picks up on what's going on and learns even from fear and shame and jealousy? So what are you surrendering to currently in your life? Oh, that's a beautiful question. Currently, I am surrendering to trusting that the universe will tell me exactly what work I'm supposed to do. I have a really strong passion for self-love. I want to talk about it, share it. I want the whole world to know because I believe it could change everything. It could change everything. We're with you, Phoenix. <laughs> yes. And so currently I'm, you know, I've, I've, I feel like I've spread all the little seeds and talking about it on podcasts and helping my clients and writing a book. And I'm surrendering to not knowing where this is going to go and that I have not a lot of control. I can't make, I can't make this happen. So I'm surrendering to wherever it's meant to go, it'll go. Yeah. Love that. That's my biggest challenge right now. Yes. <laughs> Letting go of the control of mm. also the, uh, the uncertainty of not knowing and living with it. Yes. So congratulations with that. Well, thank you. <laughs> Just homing in a little bit more on the kind of sensuality element of all this. I would love just to ask you on a personal level, what is the most sensual memory you have? That's a powerful question. It's going to take me a little minute to, to think about it. Pull it up. The most, the most sensual moment. Oh, uh, there's so many, but I think one that pops into my mind right now is just standing on stage, <laughs> standing on stage and dancing and feeling a thousand eyes on me and still and, and sharing what I'm, what I'm sensing, what I'm feeling expressing it through the dance and let it come through that must be one of the most central moments because it's so intimate having someone look you know having a lot of people look right inside of me at the moment when I'm experiencing it something just clicked in big time there from that powerful share and it's like yeah when our senses are fully open we're so visible and that's what makes it so vulnerable and yet so incredibly intense and incredibly memorable. So thank you, because that just gave me a download, actually. It makes me curious about what is sensuality really? Yeah, I understand completely what you mean there, because I think it sometimes gets kind of bandaged up with sexuality or just like literally the senses, you know, the physical senses. And of course, it's those things and so much more. And um, I feel like you just, you're kind of opening that up actually through your share. And it's also making me super curious. And I'm sure you too, Magena. Yeah, absolutely. Especially the part when you said that you were so much in your senses and in your essence, it feels also through movement that it comes through you. 
So I feel even putting labels to sensuality is not fair to sensuality. (laughs) It's an experience as I feel it. It's the energy that one brings out. And isn't it the hardest thing to be witnessed at the same time? That for me is still my biggest challenge. When I'm on my own, I can be extremely sensual and totally open and let my face do whatever it does. <laughs> but in the presence of others, it's very different to allow ourselves to be sensual. Like it seems to be a real challenge to be able to be both. Because when we're sensual, we're in sensing mode, like deep within ourselves. And then when we are aware of someone else observing that sensuality, all of a sudden it takes us out of the sensing. Isn't that an interesting dance back and forth? Yeah, there's, there's almost a shyness that comes, right? Yeah, I think shyness as well as vulnerability. I'm curious about how can we actually not lose the radical self-love in a partnership or when we're being witnessed like you were mentioning before? In a partnership, like let's say a, a romantic relationship, when there's always somebody else there and a part of us shows up that we're not quite very fond of, we usually try to cover it up, right? It's the part that we don't want others to see. And so for a really strong, intimate relationship, we kind of need to leave those bits and pieces seen to really truly welcome them back. I mean, we can only hold anger powerfully when we can allow it which means the other person will see us you know going through the process <laughs> of, of struggling with with the anger and then finding our peace with it somehow uh it's total exposure yeah so much and it's reminding me of a part of my leadership journey when i was experiencing quite extreme anxiety and there was just this spell where We were in the room all together, all 23 of us, and I felt myself having a panic attack. And it was horrible, you know? Every part of me wanted to get the hell out of that bloody room and not be seen. And of course, there you are, holed up in the Masia in Spain, no chance of escape, really. So I got seen like that. (laughs) I let myself be seen like that. In that moment, so much transformation and healing took place for me. I cried, I sobbed, I wailed, there was snot, (laughs) it looked disgusting and I shed so much and it really was through the letting all that stuff be there and be seen so yeah that comes to me big time. And being loved right when and when we go through the leadership journey we have a tribe of people that love us fiercely yeah and this is exactly how I feel radical self-love heals because we're holding space for that part of us. It is seen fully by ourselves, you know, at the very least, if we don't have a coach with us and other people, but, and it's welcome back fully. It's allowed to be there and, and we're still loving ourselves. Actually, what happens is we love ourselves even more because now there's an empathy toward that part. So, and you know, don't we, don't we want to look perfect? I mean, you know, this morning I put on some makeup and I made sure my hair was straight. (laughs) A part of me wants to be perfect for the podcast. Of course, it is so hard to resist. I'm not going to show up my jammies with (laughs) my hair ruffled up. That would take another level of authenticity. But isn't that the decision we have to make is between being perfect and being whole. And sensuality is messy. 
when we surrender to sensuality fully, we have no control because we're in, in a mode of experiencing the moment. So there is no control. It's the feeling that the sensing takes over and it does with our being whatever it does. And we have the choice to give it permission or not. <laughs> and don't we so want to look perfect and pretty so that we can be lovable? Hang on a minute. That has to be the quote of the season so far. <laughs> Sensuality is messy. Oh my gosh. Like I feel so much relief when you say that. I mean, here we're all about perfection. And yet, of course, there are still you know, things that we worry about, we think about, we want to be perfect. And especially around this topic of sensuality, which seems to appear to look a certain way from the outside or have to appear a certain way, it's all the more important that we embrace the mess in it. And you speak so beautifully to that there. Thank you. And I feel also the connection that you make with radical love and sensuality. That's the beauty of it, because you can embrace that mess, I feel, when you actually fully, fully love yourself. And you're okay with all those parts of you that need even more love. So, yes. Yeah. I think it's going to be a never-ending process. Radical self-love is a practice. I have to do it every day. It comes up a lot. And here's the part where it speaks to when, when other people are around. Don't we get so ticked off when other people do something that we don't approve of and we get angry with them? So it's not just the anger that we have to deal with, but it's whatever we judge the other person harshly for that is also a part of us because we're human. So if I'm getting really angry at my partner for not having listened to what I said, I can use radical self-love and turn it around and say, okay, wait a moment. So that part exists in me too. And then I have to stop running from it and take a moment and acknowledge that part and call it back home. At that moment, it becomes again, a choice of do I want to be more whole or do I want to feel better about myself because I don't, you know, I can judge the person. <laughs> so there's the other part in the relationship where whatever we're judging the other person for actually is also a part of us. And if we were perfect at being radically self-loving, we'd have the greatest empathy for others too. But isn't that the hard bit? We want to be so perfect. So what tips do you give to actually have even more radical self-love and connected to sensuality? I guess, as we've just pulled out, it's, it's the messiness. We have to embrace being messy. We have to embrace being imperfect. We have to embrace being human. And our culture is trying so hard to not be that. And we have to be willing to not be loved, really, I think, in essence, because isn't that the driving factor for everything? We want to be perfect because then we deem ourselves lovable. And then we think we will be loved by others. Isn't that the messiness? Isn't that being human that we're not perfect? No matter how hard we try, we'll never be. And who would want to? Who would want to? Because that would mean just having a fraction of us exist. That would feel horrible, I think. And this is maybe a messy question <laughs> and a personal question. And I, I would love to ask you, like, what have been your personal struggles that have that you've had to kind of dive into <laughs> and really get messy with in order to grow more into this place of a radical self-love and wholeness and sensuality? 
I think that the most difficult part that comes up again and again is shame. And the old part of me from growing up that still feels puny, really puny, and almost disgusted <laughs> with my shortcomings. You know, that part of me exists. And it's there, and it's still there, and I have to accept that it comes up. So that's the hardest part for me to accept because I want to grow. I want to feel the newly discovered strength that has taken me <laughs> 25 years to develop and the confidence and being authentic. So when that part shows up, a part of me goes like, oh, not again, like really? And I think the big work is going to be to accept that that part will always be there. It is a part of me because it's been a part of my past it's never going to go away. And can I love that? Can I love that part of me as much as the other parts that might be more easy to love? So there's fear connected with it too. Fear is a big one. Fear of losing loved ones or fear of not being loved by those who I want to be loved by so dearly. Those are the big sadness provoking bits and pieces of me. And so they go deep, right? So it's layered. It's layered. It's really messy because it starts with a, why is that person not responding to me? And then when I face the, that anger and that, then there is the sadness right underneath. It's like, oh no, I'm not so important to them. And then once I embrace that, the bit that shows up always, that little puny, that, 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 that girl that feels so worthless and grubby and grimy shows up. <laughs> and then I have to give that the love. Yeah, I think the messy part is it always comes back down to the shame, the shame of not being perfect, good enough, lovable. That's the messiest part for me. Thank you. I heard courage in your share and realness mm -hmm. and was just feeling grateful that you brought that forward because I think so many people listening can relate. <laughs> you know, I know I can. And it's about that, right? It's about connecting from that authentic, real, vulnerable place in us. Well, and once we've welcomed it, it won't manipulate us anymore. And that's what I've discovered. Those parts of us don't want to manipulate us. We feel so manipulated by those difficult emotions, right? We feel like they're driving us, but it's because we're running away. That's what I've learned in Radical Self-Love is in that vision is if, if I don't want these bits and pieces to be part of me, I will turn my back to them which means that means now I'm facing a direction that I'm not choosing. The only choice for that direction is because I don't want to see this. So now I'm going to go this way when maybe life wants to take me another way, but I will not look that way because that's where all the shadows are. And they feel so overpowering. And we're so afraid that when we feel them, we will be overwhelmed and swept away and fall into this big black hole and never resurface again. And what I found is that when I dive into that pit head first willingly and surrender and say, yes, fear, take me. And I'm lying on the ground in the snow and I'm shaking. My whole body is shaking because it's so strong. At the end of it, there is such a peace. There's such a peace and it hasn't swallowed me up. In fact, now there is a gift of insight and wisdom and the ability to be okay with being in total fear and then going and do what I need to do or feel I should be doing anyhow. And now fear isn't holding me back anymore. And I don't have to fight it. I just have to surrender it for it to surrender its power too. I always say those 
parts just want to be seen and heard and they keep knocking at the door so strongly because there's a message they carry a really important wisdom and they keep knocking like a little child it's like i want the candy the candy but remember the candy the candy the candy <laughs> so uh, once we've actually turned around and said okay what's the candy what candy do you want you know with the fear and surrender to it they're done they've given their message it's done they don't have to keep knocking anymore they will let go and fear will take on a totally different shape and now we can be it we can sense it and it can live inside of us in a place of love Oh, yes. And just that place of love. Uh, what an amazing place to be in, in ourselves. And again, powerful. And, and as you were sharing, what I was actually remembering was just some conversations I've been having recently around the surrender and how difficult that can be sometimes, because of course, you can't do surrender. You can't force yourself to surrender. In fact, we did a whole podcast episode on it, didn't we, McGenna? Yes, we did. And it really is an invitation, isn't it? Yeah, there's a patience required in that process. And that's what I hear when you speak to it, just lots of allowing, lots of persistent patience, actually, is what comes. For me, what came when you were speaking and what really resonated was the peace. What comes out of this process is actually the peace and the love and the embracing of all of it. And I know that it is a challenging process. And it's always a process, so it feels like it never ends. But this constant, also Sam was saying, the patience and the persistence that, yes, I will love also those parts of me, the shadow parts that are not that nice to look at. I will not turn my back to them, but I will embrace them as well. So that's beautiful. That's really beautiful. Thank you for bringing that. Yeah, yeah. It takes great courage in the beginning. And then I think once we realize the gems are, are to be found, we get hungry. You know, now, sometimes when I've done a really good practice of doing it regularly, I'll get excited. I'm like, oh, my God, this is really bugging me. Let's go figure it out. I can't <laughs> wait to find what's underneath. Because, in fact, what's at the end is so precious and so important that I want that. That's my focus is like, let's get to the gem at the end. And I really don't mind the process and it's actually become quite enjoyable. It's become another central experience for me. Ooh. The witch hunt. <laughs> <laughs> this might top, this might actually top being on stage, Sam. This might top it. Yes. It's wow. the total surrender to whatever shows up. Yeah. Wow. And so much is showing up here and now. <laughs> <laughs> thanks to everything you're bringing in, what I've loved about speaking with you today is that you are speaking from your whole self. You're speaking from your heart, your soul, your body, your experience, your realness, and so much more. And that can really be felt through everything you say. Well, um, you're making it really easy for me, I have to say. That's all right, isn't it, Miguel? <laughs> <laughs> I will only echo what Sam said. Thank you very much for being here. Mm, it's a pleasure I, so thank you so much for being on our podcast today phoenix and we're nearly finished we're nearly complete but you don't get away with not participating in da, 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 it's the wildfire rounds so here we go you're gonna have two choices and you just have to pick one easy right sounds good <laughs> question one grizzly bears or tigers? 
Grizzly bears. Self-love or self-pleasure? Self-pleasure. Yes. <laughs> Good girl. <laughs> Magic wand or red shoes? Red shoes. There's no place like home. <laughs> and the next question. The Karma Sutra or the Alchemist? The Kama Sutra. And for our final question, stockings and suspenders or onesies? Onesies. There's nothing like a good onesie, is there? And it's cold outside. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you so much for playing along and for everything that you brought today. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to be here with you. Thank you for listening to the Untaming Femininity podcast. Join our inspiring tribe of women on Facebook to experience a deeper connection with yourself and to feel the empowerment of female solidarity. Tune in next Sunday for your weekly dose of depth lightness and heartfelt shares. <laughs>